are looking at continuing our series, our study, what does the Bible say about, and tonight we're looking at the topic of homosexuality. So the chances are, even mentioning the word homosexuality solicits some sort of emotional response from you. Maybe that emotional response is you are in your mind thinking right now, I am same-sex attracted, I, I, am, I am gay. And so me saying, what does the Bible say about homosexuality might solicit some sort of emotional response from you. Well, maybe you are also a young person in this room who says, yes, I am same-sex attracted, but I don't want to live that way. Or maybe you are not same-sex attracted at all, but you have a family member, maybe a very close family member like me, uh, my sister, who is gay. And so the thought of looking at homosexuality and the thought of considering it to be a sin, and right, I think you know where I stand, but we haven't discussed it specifically yet. So maybe it's still up in the air where I am and where the Bible is. But I'm sure you're kind of just thinking, okay, well, what's he going to say? Well, there's another group of people who may say, listen, I think homosexuality is wrong. It's offensive to me. I, I, I don't like it. And the reality is, is you are also coming at this topic emotionally. And so what I want to challenge you to do, all of us, I want to challenge us to come to the Bible not being controlled by our emotions. I, I want us to pray earnestly. If, if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, I want you to ask the Lord honestly and earnestly to give you humility as we look at the Bible and what it says about homosexuality. As best you can, I want you to put your emotions away for just a moment not because they're bad or because they're wrong, but because oftentimes our emotions can sway us and give us an opinion that's not biblical. All of us, every single person in this room is susceptible to doing that. And so if you are a Christian, if you consider yourself to be a follower of Jesus, your supreme desire in life should be to know God more. Every time you come into this room or, or that room or every time you open your Bible for yourself, your greatest desire should be to know God more. And your prayer should always be, God, reveal yourself to me so I can know who you are and what you have done. And by knowing you, I can know who I am. And so that's actually the question I want to challenge you with this evening. And answer this honestly in your head, right? Don't answer it out loud. But the question is this, what is more important to you? Knowing God or knowing yourself? What is more important to you? Knowing God or knowing yourself? Because one of the things the Bible tells us is that to know one of those people, namely God, illuminates everything for us. When we know God and we desire Him and we get to know Him progressively more as we grow in faith, knowledge of Him illuminates our life. 
it reveals who we really are in His eyes. But if your greatest desire in life is to know yourself truly and to know who you are truly more than anything else, then what you have to understand is that that knowledge oftentimes clouds our judgment. Because the Bible says that we are sinners. That we are not righteous. Not even one of us. And so to know yourself greater than anything else means to know intimately a sinner. And to be persuaded by the desires of a sinner. And so I would encourage you as we start our time to to wrestle with that question. What really is more important to me? Knowing God or knowing me? All right, so what does the Bible say about homosexuality? I'm going to look at three things. How does creation speak to homosexuality? So that is Genesis 1 and 2 when God creates everything. How does that speak to homosexuality? Number two, what does the Old Testament say about homosexuality? And number three, what does the New Testament say about homosexuality? So can I just be honest with you guys for just a minute? Can I confess something to you? It would be way easier for me, personally, not only as a pastor, not only as a youth pastor, but as a brother and as a nephew, if I thought homosexuality, if I thought that the Bible taught that homosexuality was okay, it would make my life easier. It would make my relationship with my sister easier. It would make my job as a pastor easier. But what I want to tell you is that I am not willing to do what is easy if it is not biblical. I'm not willing to do that. What I am willing to do is to be long-suffering, gracious, and loving, and to walk alongside of whoever wants me to walk alongside of them. That's what I'm willing to do. But I cannot, and you do not want me to teach what is not biblical. And so the hope tonight is that you would hear this in love and with as much humility as I can give you and understand that this is coming from a place of love and a desire for you all and for me to know the Lord better. So how does creation speak to homosexuality? Genesis 1, 26 through 31. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the livestock and over all of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that, you, that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall, not have them for, you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, 
I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that He had made, and behold, it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Let's pray before we dig in. Father God, we pray that You would help us, that You would give us, Lord, a Holy Spirit-inspired ability to see Your Word truthfully. And Father, that may mean that some of us in this room are wrong. Father, I understand that every time I come to the Bible, I can be wrong. I am not perfect. I am not infallible. Only you are those things, God. And so I pray that you would illuminate my eyes to see truth and that you would help me to proclaim it boldly with love and grace and mercy. But I pray for my young friends here, Lord, that you would help them to do the same, that they would see you and see your word clearly and be brought to a greater understanding of who you are and what you have done for your people. We pray all of this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> all right, so what I want to confess to you secondarily to my first confession is that whenever we look at the creation account, right, when God created the heavens and the earth and all of the things in it and seven days he created and on the seventh day actually he rested, we see that account in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. But what I want to tell you is that Genesis 1 and 2 does not speak specifically to homosexuality. Right? So if you're wondering, how are you going to make your point? Well, you, you need to stay with me. Because while it doesn't speak to homosexuality in particular, neither does it speak to same-sex or um, opposite-sex sin either. Right? And so what we have to understand is that what God is doing here in the very, very beginning is He is revealing to us His purpose in creating us. Right? So He's not trying to make like major points to get us to not sin or to walk with Him. He's simply creating something that is good and without sin. And that's really important for us to understand because what that means is that this is God's good intention for all of his creation, for everyone in this room. Genesis 3 doesn't change any of God's desires for us. Do you understand? So everything that he created good, everything that he intended for us that is good, God still abides by that creation. And so while we're not looking specifically at homosexuality, there are a few things that we really, really, really need to see here. So a few like simple observations that I want you to see is, number one, all people are made in God's image and likeness. Every one of you, all of us, whether we are opposite sex attracted or whether we are same sex attracted, everyone in this room and everyone outside of this room is made in the image of God. And that means they have worth and value and dignity. And that means you are to love them and to treat them with care and grace and compassion even if they are the polar opposite of who you are. Why? Because they are created just like us in the image and likeness of God. There is no one on earth that stands outside of that good truth. So that changes a lot of the ways that you view people and treat people, doesn't it? And here's the thing. You are going to disagree with a lot of people in your life. Guess what is also true? Still made in the image of God. The second observation, all people are created 
either male or female. So that's really important because I want, what I want us to understand is that there is no third option of gender here. Right? There are no mistakes that the Lord has made. Right, Everything that He has created, He has said, this is good. His cre- creation even goes to day seven. And after day seven, when all of the creating is done, God says, this is good. Well, it's really important to understand that at this moment, there are two genders. There's male and there's female. One of the things you may be thinking in your mind right now is, yeah, but that was just in this moment. What happens later obviously proves that there are multiple genders, gender neutral, gender fluid, all of these things. Well, here's a challenge for you. Do you not think God is big enough to reveal all of those truths to us in Genesis 1 and 2? That somehow he had to let us figure out that there were more genders than he created and showed us in Genesis 1 and 2. So it's a really important observation. The third observation, Adam and Eve set an example for us of joining together to multiply, to fill the earth, and to subdue God's creation. That is to rule over or tend to God's creation. So what does that mean? All right, don't giggle. It means you are to grow up, to marry either a man or a woman. You are to have children. And then your children are to have children. And then together, you all tend to God's creation. Right? For, for Adam and Eve, that was literal physical tending. Right? Maybe every now and again scooping up tiger poop out of the east side of the garden. Maybe it was like washing off the elephants. Um, I don't know what their kind of tending was, but everything was perfect. And so their tending is different than ours. My tending is being a pastor, caring for the earth, caring for humans, and abiding by God's word. That's how I steward the world. Well, God created Adam and Eve for that purpose, and their purpose is the purpose of all of their children. And you and I are children of Adam and Eve. And so this is kind of the the model that God has placed for us. All right, so now let's, after we've got those baseline observations, let's look at a few important things um, we need to see to help us form a biblical understanding of human sexuality. Right, And so when I say that, I'm not talking about like the act of sex. What I'm talking about is human sexuality. That is that you are made a man or you are made a woman. Well, that's, that's really important to understand. Because who you are made will help us to understand what it is we were made for. So look at Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 through 24. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground of the Lord, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon him. And while he slept, 
took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his mother and father and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. So what we need to see is that God creates all of these things, right? He creates the heavens and the earth. He creates the water and the land. And, and he, he puts all of these things in motion. He creates Adam. He creates animals. He creates fish, birds, all of these things he has created. And then we get to the fact that Adam is here. He exists. And his job is to name all of the animals, right? So that's one of the ways that he rules over the creation is getting to name all of the animals, and let's just be clear, Adam is super creative, right? Like, why is a lion a lion and an elephant an elephant? I don't know. Adam knows. Not our Adam, a different Adam that existed a long time ago. But if our Adam has any insight to that other Adam, just let us know. Um, so what we need to see is that God's good creation, which, right, there's no sin, everything is still good. What we need to see is that it's not complete with just Adam. Even God realizes that Adam needs help to tend to the creation on God's behalf. I want to just stop for just a moment and realize that at this point, God can do anything he wants to do. Right? He could say, well, Adam, all you need is a puppy because puppies are great companions. It will keep you company. I mean, let's be honest, Sin hasn't happened, but it's probably still going to chew on your shoes. Um, every now and again, you're going to call it dumb, but you're going to have a puppy. Things are going to be great. Sorry, that was a little aggression towards my dog. Um, <laughs> anyways, my dog is not dumb. She's just not smart. So God can do anything he wants to do. Creation has never been done before. God is doing it for the very first time. And he is establishing the way that he wants creation to be. And a part of the way that God wants creation to be is seeing Adam alone and creating for him a woman. Again, you need to realize that God at this moment can do anything he wants. He could create another man for Adam. He could create a grandmother for Adam. He could create a not-so-smart dog for Adam. And yet the thing he chooses out of his good plan is a woman. We really should not skip over the fact that God created everything exactly as he wanted it. The second thing is this. The helper that fits Adam, right? His helper is Eve. The helper that fits with Adam follows a very specific model, right? Let me, let me explain what I mean. So the model is, one, a pattern of separation, but then a pattern of complementing. So what do I mean by separation? Well, when God creates... The day, he creates what? Not more, not more day, but, you said it, night. Okay, when God creates 
the heavens, right? That is the atmosphere, the heavens that go beyond what we can see. He creates not more heavens, he creates earth. Right? And so God has established this pattern of creating things that are separate from the thing he has already created. Right? So when he creates Adam, he doesn't create another Adam, he creates. Okay, the second part of the pattern is complementary. So when he creates the sun, what complements the sun? The moon. Why? Because it's not the same, and yet it's the light that we have at night, right? When he creates all of the animals, one of the things that he does is he pairs them together, and so he creates lions for lions, but how does he create them? He creates them male and female, opposites or separates that complement one another, that, that function together. That, that's so important for us to understand that God makes everything with reason and logic. Everything He does serves a specific purpose, not simply for our good, but because He believes it's good. And so these patterns are, are super helpful for us. So the second thing, or the third thing is this. God designed us for relationship. God designed us for relationship. So Adam and Eve, they enjoy a relationship with God. I mean, you could even call it a friendship. They walk with God in the garden. There are moments where we at least believe that they can see God or at least hear and know that He's present because after they sin, they hide from Him. Well, to hide from someone you kind of have to assume that he's there, right? They hear the footsteps of the Lord coming and they hide. Well, they're, they're created for this intimate friendship with the Lord. They, they walk with him, they talk with him, but there's another relationship that they are created for. And it is not the same type of relationship that they have with God. And so there are two patterns of relationship here. One is friendship with the Lord, and the second is intimacy between husband and wife. Their relationship is different because it serves a different purpose. It's not merely for the purpose of not being lonely. It's not merely for the purpose of having someone to help you name the animals whenever you run out of creative names. There's a purpose. And the Bible tells us in verse 24, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. So let's think about this. Now clear your mind, etch a sketch that bad boy, but somehow retain everything I've just said, but etch a sketch it and let's think. So God wants them to become one flesh. Well, what's unique about them becoming one flesh? They've already been one flesh before. Right? You have Adam, and out of Adam you have Eve, and so the one becomes two, man and woman. But then God says, what I want you to do is I want you to have a special type of relationship where the two become one again. And so whereas Eve came out of Adam's body, he's now asking Eve to come back into 
Adam's body, to become one, and together to serve the Lord and fulfill the purpose that he has. What's that purpose? Have children, your children have children, and you all rule the earth together, and you live with the Lord. Listen, that relationship is only possible between man and woman. The other type of relationship is a kind of type of relationship that Adam and Eve had with God. That is friendship, companionship, closeness, love, kindness. But the only relationship that we see here in terms of intimacy is between man and woman because it serves a very important purpose. A very specific purpose. So God creates in six days, the seventh day He rests. A part of what we do as men and women, as husbands and wives, is we continue the act of creating image bearers. Through us, God is continuing to put image bearers on the earth. We have I have, I have four little made in the image, made in the likeness of gods down there. And they're big time sinners too, by the way. But they're there and they're made in God's image. And that's a part of the purpose that God has for me as a husband. To tend to my family. Listen, what I want you to understand is that the reason it is so important to understand homosexuality and what the Bible says about it is because the Bible is not written about homosexuality. The Bible is not a book to go to to proof text or to argue or to have fights or to just pull out a text and say, ha, gotcha. I'm right, you're wrong. The reason we need to understand something like homosexuality is not because that's all the Bible is about, but it's because of what the Bible is about. That is that God is perfect and holy and He created us good and we sinned and fell away from Him. And that if we live in our sin, we will remain separated from Him. The, the Bible is about one thing. Revealing to us that Jesus is the one means of salvation for mankind. That while we were sinners, God gave us Jesus to die for us. And so whenever we talk about something like homosexuality, we're, we're not just talking about homosexuality. We're talking about any sin that you bring into this room, any sin that I bring into this room, and understanding it in light of a perfect, holy God. And so this is not a sermon, this is not a lesson, this is not a lecture on why homosexuality is bad. Again, it would be so much easier for me and probably you if the Bible just didn't say anything about it. And we could just make up our own minds. It would be easier. But we have to understand what the Bible says about this topic because we have to understand our sin. We have to understand what sin is. We have to understand how sin affects our relationship with God. 
We have to understand what in our lives is sin and be honest about it. And then we have to understand what we're supposed to do with our sin once we identify it.